Welcome to the Shut Up Show. This is the Brave Solopreneurs Podcast helping you shut up and make shit happen. Inside every episode, you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day despite being scared shitless. You'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears, tactical advice to help you define your shut up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. And now, your hosts and co-shut-uppers of making shit happen, Bernie Shung and Phil Gerbyshack. Hello, fellow shut-uppers. Bernie Shung here with The Shut-Up Show. Inside today's episode, you'll hear a conversation I had with Bryson Anges, traveling musician based in the Philippines. Unfortunately, my co-instigator, Phil Gerbyshack, was unable to join our conversation today due to technical difficulties. However, you are absolutely going to enjoy today's conversation. I stumbled upon Bryson Andres actually from a YouTube video that went viral back in January of 2012 where he was playing with his electric violin, his loop pedal, standing on the streets of Spokane, Washington playing the song Secrets by One Republic. I absolutely fell in love with his work. He was so amazing. And so I basically followed his work for several months thereafter, ended up befriending him online and asked him to be one of our first guests on the Shut Up Show when Phil and I launched in early 2013. Since that YouTube video went viral, Bryson actually has been picked up by a major brand, which is what led him to the Philippines, where he's now a traveling musician playing his craft all over the globe. I couldn't have been more excited to talk to him, not only because he's such an amazing artist, but because he's such an amazing heart. I know that you'll gather that too from listening to the conversation. And by the way, this episode's a little bit longer than most, but I guarantee you it'll be worth every minute of your time. So on to the show. Right on to the show, my guest today, uh, the most awesome and amazing musician I've seen in pretty much all of my 36 years of life. Uh, We're talking to Bryson Andres today, who's right now in Spokane, Washington. Um, Before, you know, we go into the conversation here today, what I really wanted to let you, the audience, know was that the reason Bryson was chosen for this show was because he is a traveling musician. He's done a lot of performing on the streets in addition to other venues as well. But there's this amazing element of, of... fear getting past fear and we felt like the last couple times we've been talking the gist of of everything that we've been talking about is how hard it is to move past fear emotionally and mentally as entrepreneurs and small business owners so today we're going to ask bryson about how he's able to move through fear and really kind of tell us you know where where he is what he's up to and really how he can help us bring home that whole topic uh, to help other fellow entrepreneurs and small business owners like you so bryson uh tell us a little bit about you uh how long have you been playing music what exactly do you do as a musician and really kind of take us from where you started and, and uh, where you are now? Uh, well, I play the electric violin and I started when I was 13 on acoustic violin. Uh, it was uh, sixth grade is because of a girl. Her name is uh, actually, she has the same last name as you. So I'm kind of like, huh, this could be a trap. But um, anyways, it's a, uh, it's, it's, 
it's a weird story because it ties in with like family and music and whatnot. But to just like put it in a nutshell, it was violin at thirteen. I didn't know if I wanted to do it forever, but um, it was it's because my father. Uh, I never met him until I was thirteen, and he actually gave me my first violin. Anyways. I'm so nervous, Bernie. I'm so nervous. I'm, I don't like talking about myself. and uh... It's all good. That's the whole point. That is exactly the whole point of this show is to get raw, to get vulnerable, and to share our deepest and darkest secrets within reason, obviously, because the most important thing is what can we all take away from this lesson. So please, you know, within your comfort level, share as much or little as you want as, as it's relevant oh, to your story. I rant. I, like, really rant. So we could go on for an hour or more, and I don't know. But all right, I'll just talk, and then you can ask me questions. I think I work better that way. So, started violin, 13, 6th grade, because of a girl named Shin Zong, and I really liked her to the to the point where I'd follow her into the orchestra class, because we had a, you know, band or orchestra, or you could study in class. So I was like, I don't want to study in class, and I don't want to bang on drums. And uh, the girl that I really liked was taking me up orchestra, and she's playing the violin. So it happened to be that my dad, that I haven't met since I was one years old, decided to be a part of my life, and he was like, hey, you know, I want to be a part of your life. I will give you your first violin. I want to be be there for you. So I was like, okay, that's cool. Now I can uh, get to know my dad, and I can get to know this girl, and then I can make beautiful music, and musical babies with her, and be like, yeah. And then she quit orchestra, like, that year. So I was stuck with, like, this violin and keep in mind, I'm like 12 years old. I think like $5 is a lot of money. And it was $99 off of eBay violin. And I was like, oh my goodness, my dad just spent a whole crap load of money on me. And I never met this guy. Um, this girl just quit the violin and I really liked her. But dang, now I'm stuck with this instrument. And, you know, it's like, okay, I'd rather play violin and keep up with it instead of wasting my dad's money, you know. So I started after that. Uh, after sixth grade, it was like, okay, so I'm playing violin. I really like it, and uh, that girl is totally out of my life now. And um, yeah, just, I just kept kept going with it because, uh, for one, it was really fun to me. It was really natural. And then by the time I went to or I went went to the tenth grade, I decided hmm, maybe I should try to do a solo thing with it. So up until this point, I was playing classical music but secretly on the side I was doing like contemporary like hip-hop rock and stuff so I had like in, in school in sixth grade they teach you how to hold it and how to bow it and how to read music but for the technical stuff you need uh, private lessons like to get really good you need private lessons and our family didn't have that so what I do is I stay at home and I would practice for I don't know a couple hours every day just because I enjoyed it and then it came to the point where I was like, hey, maybe I'm good enough to take this and do a show with it or do like a solo performance with it. So what I did was, in the 10th grade, there was this Battle of the Schools event, right? And uh, I was like, oh, man, I'm not going to join that. This band's going, and there's like people that are way awesome going, and the violin is like, nah, violin, what? That's so nerdy. It's so lame. And I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. So I skipped the auditions, totally skipped it. And I was actually, I was actually practicing 
and during lunch, because I was practicing during lunch, I was practicing during lunch, and a woman comes up to me, and she's like, you're really good. I was like, oh, thank you. And she's like, you know what? You should join the Battle of the Bands. This is your audition right now. I'm running the auditions. I'm like, wow, crap. I didn't know I was performing in front of the audition woman. So anyways, I did Battle of the Schools, Battle of the Bands, and I, I, I won. And I didn't think I was going to win. I was just doing it because it was like, whatever. And it was me up against a whole band, and it was me up against all these all of these other entertainers, dancers, bands, and everything. I think from that moment on, I thought maybe, just just maybe I could make this into a career. Maybe I could, you know, actually make money off a of violin. But then, like, reality set in, and I thought about it, and I was like, well, if you think about it, violinists in Alaska, there's a bunch, bunch of violinists in Alaska. And um, I, from what I've heard is that most violinists, most people in symphonies and orchestras, of course they do the orchestra thing, but then they have to support it with another job usually or teaching private lessons. And I didn't, uh, to me, I did the whole orchestra thing. I did, you know, I played in the symphony and I did all that. And I didn't want to just sit down in a chair all day, you know. I I was like, I, I love playing with playing music with others, but then again, I'm a, I want to be a soloist. So it was either um, play acoustic violin on the streets or uh, be in the orchestra and, you know, just sit down and wither away. I don't want to say that. I don't want to say evil things like that because people in orchestras are awesome. It's just for me, it's not. But in my mindset at the time, I thought I don't want to look back 10 years or 15 years from, from that point and realize I've been sitting in a chair for that long and I haven't been anywhere, you know? So I was only playing like acoustic, like hip hop, like doing little riffs and stuff. And then one of my favorite artists, Imogen Heap, uh, she, during, what was it, my junior year of high school, I saw her looping her vocals for, I'm not quite sure who it was, it was, it was like a television show. And what she did was she sampled her vocals and she'd tap on something and then she'd sample it and make it into this huge arrangement. And I was so impressed. I didn't know she could do that. I didn't know that was possible. Back then, I was like, man, I wish people would play contemporary music with me, but everybody's doing classical. So I'd be the only one playing contemporary music. But then when I saw Imogen, I was like, oh my goodness. I don't, I've never seen anybody do this with a violin. I mean, I need to find like what, how she does it and like, you know, where I could get it. Uh, turns out her equipment was like <laughs> over like $500 and I was just in high school. So there was no money. So what I did was I worked my way up from acoustic violin, like the wooden ones, and I played little hip hop riffs and stuff on the street and people would tip me. So I'd gain all these tips, like, I don't know, $25 a day. And I, you know, kept saving my money and I saving, 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 saving. Then I finally got enough money to buy my first electric violin, which is the same violin I play on because I don't like buying whatever. I, I'm not very, you know, not very rich. <laughs> but yeah, I bought my first electric violin. And at the time, I, ha I was sponsored by uh, Peter's Violin Shop to do private lessons. And the thing was, you know, I didn't think that I would be doing uh, classical music for the rest of my life. So this teacher was, her name is Nina Bingham, 
And she was just like, uh, she didn't want to change the way I played because I already built myself up technically to the sound that I wanted. But she provided me with so many, like, so much repertoire that I liked, not just like classical, Vivaldi, blah, blah, blah. It was like, it was more of a friendship type thing. It wasn't more of a sit down, you play this for two hours, da, 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 da. It was more like, hey, what did you learn today? What's your, you know, what, what kind of uh, music are you working on? stuff like that so she was really cool and I really like I really connected with her more than anybody in the musical world and she was the first person to actually buy the lute pedal for me because she she had saw that I was working really hard uh, and I really wanted to do the solo thing so she's like you know what um, I'll buy you your first lute pedal which was $350 at the time and I was like oh my god it takes me like five ten weeks to you know, make that much money. How do I pay her back? She said, don't, don't even worry about it, you know. So that was the beginning of this loop thing that that is me now. That's who I am. I'm a looper. And not, not, um, not what's his name, diehard looper. Right. <laughs> not the Joseph Gordon-Levitt looper. <laughs> I'm back. I'm from the future. No, um, she... It, I, I don't know how to thank her enough just for, like, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here because I wouldn't have the money to buy that. I wouldn't have had enough time to do what I wanted to do and learn the things I wanted. So big ups to Nina Bingham, Anchorage, Alaska. Go to her if you want awesome lessons. But, yeah, she bought me my first suit pedal. And then the first songs that I started doing were the easy ones. Like, I don't know, Viva La Vida was the first one. If you search on YouTube... Uh, like resident honey I have listened to like every cover you've done basically okay <laughs> so yeah. so any any song I mean and, and I know you do more than just like the top 40s and the mainstream yeah. hits but any song that I pretty much you know even if I didn't listen to the radio I probably have heard it you've probably played it and you've, pro you've played it beautifully by the way oh, thank so you. <laughs> so we'll make sure that we let people know about your YouTube channel later uh, to check yeah. it out but um, I think this is a really good place then for us to pause for a second because mm -hmm. there are so oh my god there are a million things that I want to follow up and ask but yeah. I think the thing that I really would like us to first start is um, I'm hearing this certain element of what what initially got you inspired maybe was kind of like an accidental situation or an accidental event. You didn't premeditate that you wanted to be a musician, right? No. You didn't premeditate that you wanted to be a violinist on top of that. But once you were in and you got hooked and then people came out of the woodwork to help you, support you, encourage you, and inspire you, then something got sparked in you. Can, can we hone in on that? What what's what was sparked in you that has given you this drive and determination to keep going even in the darkest, hardest days of being a traveling musician? I think, okay, so, all right. So uh, something big happened in my family uh, about two years ago, and one of my cousins passed away. And before I had even embarked on my journey to tour the, the U.S., I had always had this thought that, like I said before, I don't want, I didn't want to sit down and you know not go anywhere with my life. And I had always had this idea that maybe one day I'd get picked up by a record label, or one day somebody would 
see me and like, oh, come and join, whatever. But then I thought to myself, what are the chances of that, you know? And after my cousin, when he passed away, I just thought, you know what? I need to start living the way he wanted me to live. And with my family, our parents aren't like the best parents in the world. Uh, we, are, the cousins, we all stick together, and we we just hang on to each other, and we we feed off of each other's energy. And when you lose somebody that is really really important in your life, sometimes like for me at least, I wanted to live the life that he wanted me to live. And he always pushed me to play violin, even when I had doubts. Like even especially during high school, I wanted to quit. I was just was like, this is. This is not going to make me anything. It's not going to make me money, and it's wasting money. Basically, doing it's like a hobby. But this particular cousin, he he would always tell me like, "Man, you shouldn't quit. You need to keep going. You, you know, do what you love." And I love violin, but it was just like I didn't see a future in it. So after I got the loop pedal, and after I started creating a, a list like my repertoire, um, and that thing happened. I just decided, you know what, I'm going to take my chances. So I, uh, I got, you know, I got the tips. I created like business cards. I created my own CD. I printed my own CD. I produced my own album, and I did it. I mean, I just, I really wanted to make it, just like to live up to what his expectation would be. So, you know. I built my small business on first just tips, and then from those tips, I bought my business cards, and then from those business cards, I started networking with people, and then I met somebody that was like, maybe you should make CDs. So then I started selling CDs for five dollars a pop with five tracks on them, and then um, from the CDs, I'd put ten tracks on them and then sell them for ten dollars, and I'd end up with like. I don't know, every weekend at the market with a thousand five hundred dollars every weekend unless it rained. So I, you know, I saved up all this money, and then I was like, okay, well now it's time to do it to live up for my cousin's expectations and to really make him proud. So I got in my car, my Cadillac, nineteen ninety eight Deville. You do not drive a Cadillac. <laughs> I drove a ninety eight Deville through the Alcan Highway, and honestly, the whole time, I was just like, ah, uh, you know, this tragedy just happened, and I need to do this. I really need to, to you know, I really need to do, like, live my life to the fullest. And so I didn't, I mean, I had a plan. I had a general idea. But the general idea wasn't really, like, Okay, here, I'll give you what I thought was going to happen, all right? So I saved up all my money, and then I got in the car, and then my idea was, all right, I'm going to travel. I'll save up $4,000, whatever, $4,000, and then, you know, allocate it to gas, food, and then eventually try to make tips on the promenade in Santa Monica. Because I had thought... You know, if Alaska or Anchorage is really small and I can make this much money on the streets in Anchorage, I might as well uh, take my chances and see how the rest of the world thinks of my music. So what I did was I got in the car and I that was my plan. 
go to California and try to live off the promenade. At the same time, traveling down through Canada, through Washington, and all that. And um, it, it was so wrong. That was the... It would happen, like, not even the way I planned it. It was like, this is my expectation. Woo! This is the real expectation. <laughs> but before you finish, because I really, I really do like that story. Before we finish that point, there must have been a certain element, though, of now that I've messed up and I would never, ever, ever do that again, mm -hmm. um, I'm smarter now, right? I'm wiser as a result, and there are things that I know now. There's, there's, there's a way I would do it this time, and now when I go back, um, it's going to be much better. And, and, and I'm pretty sure you probably have had many, many fails and many, many mistakes before you finally got it right. Does right, right. that sound pretty accurate? Mm -hmm. And a bit of luck, actually, lots of luck. <laughs> Yeah. So, so uh, this is the one I really, really want to talk about, and I, and I know that this really hits close to home for you too. Mm -hmm. I know you have a lot of different types of performances that you do. Uh, I've watched you on stage in Manila. Well, not in person. I wish <laughs> yeah. I was in person. My God. Um, <laughs> I've watched you perform a duet with uh, an amazing violinist in the Philippines. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I have watched you in your living room or wherever you were playing covers. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I've also seen you on the street again through YouTube because that's where I found you. Yeah. And you've talked about how the street is really where you feel the most, I guess if you want to call it, level of fulfillment or gratification, like maybe the most excitement. Um, kind of tell us a little about that. Why? Why? It's probably the scariest of all the ones I explained, so give us a background as to why that's the most exciting for you and why you really kind of thrive off of that type of, of experience. Okay, so uh, remember how I told you that I was in the orchestra? <laughs> so what it, what, what it was was when I was uh, in the orchestra, I'd sit down. And then I didn't like that lifestyle, so then I joined a uh, like a collaborative called Collaboscope. It was like a hip hop group, and we played in bars. And I wasn't I wasn't 21 yet. I'm only 22. Anyways, uh, we played in bars, and then I tried that lifestyle. But then I tried um, doing the solo thing, like in the room and playing violin. And then I took it to the streets. And then when I took it to the streets, I realized that it's not. I didn't feel happy in bars, playing with musky people, rubbing against you. I didn't feel happy sitting down in a chair. But when I was on the streets, I felt like, oh my goodness, like people can just walk by and I won't even care because I love playing violin now and people that stop by and actually listen and tip, it's like they're not, they're, they're just regular people, you know? They're doing their own thing, they're walking by, they're, on their, they're doing their thing, their regular grind. And then when they see you play, they just stop and they watch. And it's like, that's so awesome. That is so awesome. I actually, my music actually made somebody stop and listen. And it's, I'm not in like, I'm not trying to get it, like attention. Like, watch me, watch me. I'm just out there to be like, hey, this is my music. If you like it, stop by, maybe tip me. Can walk by, I don't care. I'm just going to play. And then... In the bars, it's more like, you know, sweaty, like, oh, I'm going to play music, and then all the people are just going to be like, ah, really loud and obnoxious. But on the streets, like, people have this thing where they're like, okay, maybe I should tip, maybe I should, I don't know, or maybe I should, like, say hi to him, but I'm scared. So 
it's really fun to watch people and how they react to my music. I mean, I love playing, but I also love watching people like kind of get scared, like, oh, oh okay, maybe, okay, bye. <laughs> and then there's some people that are like, oh my god, <laughs> and it's like the best place to meet people, you know. And I'm, I really wanted to meet people. I really wanted to travel. So the best place to do it is on the streets. If you want to see, if you want to be cultured, you go on the streets and you meet all kinds of people. I mean, New York, I went there for like a wedding and then I just walked along the streets and saw the street musicians and I was like, wow, this is crazy because um, in New York, it's totally different than in LA and then in Alaska, it's totally different than all of these places. So I just really wanted to be cultured and I really wanted to talk to as many people and hear as many stories as I could. So once they connected with my music, it was like, they connected with my music, then they'd come up to me and talk to me, and then I'd get to know them. And then I'd like, sometimes I'd share experiences with them, and sometimes I'd share experiences with me. So then maybe I could learn from them, from their experiences. And that's, I mean, you can't do that at a bar. You can't do that while you're sitting down in the orchestra. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. No, I completely agree with you. And I also saw the video, of course, no surprise by now. I also <laughs> saw the video of you um, in, in, I think it was also Spokane. Maybe it was another day though, um, and a little boy came up to you after one of your performances, and it was really sweet. Um, it sounded like he was asking you, "How do I know which instrument to go for? Like, you know, if I'm going to do this in school, how do I know what to commit to? Which one will I enjoy the most?" And you said something along the lines of, "It doesn't really matter what instrument you choose; uh, you'll be good if you play from the heart." Right. That's okay. Exactly I, right. And I remember that. So. Tell us yeah. a little bit more about that. I mean, I feel like not only there is there a certain level of drive and determination because there is a cause for you to be a musician, you know, whether it was the death of your, your family, whether it was uh, maybe somebody when you were younger told you you weren't ever going to be good enough or amount yeah. to anything. It could also be because, you know, you were raised in a maybe not so privileged family, so maybe you didn't have those type of resources. But there's also this element of what you're able to give back through your music. So can you kind of touch on that a little bit? Like what inspires you and, and what is it about music that you're able to inspire other people that really, you know, makes you feel a certain level of excitement and fulfillment doing it? So much, so much to talk about in that small, oh my goodness. Uh, all right. Um, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I don't really talk about myself this much. Like, I really that, don't. That's the point. That is exactly <laughs> the point, honey. So. <laughs> okay, just ask me one question at a time because I could. You know me. Okay, like so break. yeah, so so let's um, you know, I I really like the the story about the boy, and you know, I'm I'm sure you remember like pretty much every oh, interaction yeah, you have. That. So what the the advice you gave to that boy, I'm sure you've given it a million times, and I'm sure nope. you will again. Where does that come from? Where did that advice come from? And what are you really trying to leave with kids like that in giving them advice like that? Well, the thing is, uh, people don't really talk to me very often, and sometimes, like, whenever they do talk to me, it's usually not about things like this. Children usually don't come up to me and ask me questions, so I, I rarely get to, um, I rarely get to give my advice to, to the youths, and that at that moment, during that video, I didn't even know he was recording or whatever, but... Uh, this kid, he he really like. It seemed like he really wanted to play something, like play a violin or play whatever instrument. But he really didn't understand like why he would do it, or he didn't really. I don't know. 
But the whole point I was trying to make was, I mean, for me at least, when I played violin, I didn't play because people like my grandparents forced me to play. You were totally right when you said that people were not wanting me to play violin when I started. And those people were actually my grandparents, and I lived with my grandparents. And so I decided, I don't care. You know, I'm going to do this because I like it and I enjoy it. I'm going to play from my heart, and I don't care what anybody thinks, you know. So my grandparents would be like, oh, my God, you suck, or oh, my God, shut up, you know. And I would just be like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to play it, and it's because I love it. And to this kid, I saw this kid, and I saw his, his mom, and the mom was like, oh, yeah, I'm putting him through classes, and I'm, I'm going to, like, you know, like, sort of like she was pushing him towards the instrument. But that's when I was like, whatever instrument you play, because I don't want him to be, I don't want the kid to think that, okay, violin's the only thing I'm ever going to touch in my life, you know? Violin is violin or nothing, you know? So I was telling the kid, like, whatever. I was trying to not direct this towards the mom, but I was like, whatever instrument you decide to play, as long as you play it from the heart is where you're really going to grow. Because for me, in my experience, what I've seen was when I was younger is kids that were put through lessons and kids that were um, forced to play, they didn't grow as fast as I did. And... For me, I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm the best or whatever. I'm trying to say is I wasn't pushed to play the violin. I, w I didn't have the privilege of having private lessons. I just played it because I loved it, you know. I, I felt an attachment to it, and I played it. And from what I saw was the kids that were put through private lessons, one, they didn't want to play the violin. They were just trying to – their parents were trying to live through them. Or two – they were just doing it for credits or whatever for high school and to make their parents happy. And then after high school, what did they do? They didn't play violin anymore. They quit or they moved on to other things, things that would make them money, like being a lawyer or being you know, a really high-paid individual. For me, I do it because I love it. I'm playing from the heart, and I don't care. That's what I guess like I don't care. That's the thing. If you're gonna go somewhere and you're gonna be somebody, don't care. Do it because you want to do it, and you know you're always gonna get the negative stuff. But especially for that kid, it's good to know. I mean, at an early age, it's great to know that you have the opportunity to decide what you want to play. I mean, like to like I don't, I don't know. I'm so tongue-tied right now. I'm like filled with emotion. I really <laughs> no, and I, you know what? And I can see that. I can see that, and I think it's awesome. It's so funny what you just said because our very first guest, he was actually kind of the impetus for me and Phil to do the show and why we called it "Shut Up." Mm -hmm. That guy was a professional speaker for over 13 years now, and he was talking about how you know to reach the level of success that he received. Mm -hmm. um, he had to just not care. He had to not, he said, I hate to say it, but I have to not give a shit because if I, if I take, if I take what people say in a very positive light and I only take the good, then that's not giving me enough criticism to get better. But then if I take the negative criticism and then I feel bad about it, then that holds me back from being good. He's like, you just have to kind of not care yeah. about what everybody says and thinks about you. And you just have to care about what really does matter to you. And for you, it sounds like the art, the art and even the science, if you will, of music and how music 
can touch people and how music can heal. You didn't say this, but in everything you just said up until this point, I've been hearing the word healing, like in the back of my head. I feel like music helped you to heal. Music helps the people that you play for to heal. And through the healing process, you know, it sounds like, you know, in, in a lofty way, it will make the world a better place. Yeah. I mean, do, does that sound pretty accurate in terms no, of like, why you do it? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But like, yeah, that's basically the thing that I'm trying to get to is just, I mean, <sighs> Bernie, you're like the genius here. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. If you you got to read my brains without me saying the word. Exactly. Well, that's why I'm a coach. Hello. You know, I'm supposed to be able to pull out from you what you're saying without you actually saying it. It's my it's my Jedi mind trick that Damn. got it out. So, um, <laughs> God, I could just talk to you forever, seriously. So we're going to have to make sure we do this again. But um, we've got about a couple more minutes left. I don't want to, you know, take up too much more of your time, especially with the technical difficulties. But then also we want to make sure we keep this interview, you know, at a pretty decent um, time limit. But Man, there are so many things I want to ask still to follow up, but uh, what I did write down that I had to make sure that I at least asked you was, um, when do you think that you had that moment? And maybe it wasn't just one moment, but what was the most pivotal moment or the most crucial moment in your memory that you had to listen to criticism, doubt, uh, and I'm not talking just from other people, family members, friends, um, random strangers. It, maybe it was your own voice telling you, okay, I might suck. I might not succeed. I might fail miserably and get laughed at and pointed at. When do you, do you remember that moment the most? And how did you tell yourself to shut up and get the hell out of that negative self-talk and just keep going in spite of, you know, what could have held you back? That's a really tough one. I mean, that happened so many times. I'm not just talking about like in the beginning. Sometimes it even happens in like months, like months ago it probably it happened and um I'd say the most <laughs> oh, I don't want to badmouth anybody, but just don't don't say their name then. Okay. Just, just give us the context of the story, but leave their name okay. out then. Here, here we go. This is what happened. So I got discovered, right? And I was like, oh, life is going great. And I'm in Manila and I'm having a ball and I'm meeting so many people. And there's this one guy in Manila that everybody knows he has this reputation to give out shitty, shitty advice to people and try to tear them down. And for me, I didn't know this guy. I had just got done with the performance and um, apparently this man is very influential in Philippines and he's very uh, big in the theater and theater industry or whatever but I saw him and he called me over and he's like hey I want to talk to you and I thought this was going to be a regular conversation and oh my goodness it was the most shocking and revealing like conversation I've had with anybody in the Philippines and it made me realize, like, who gives a beep? Who gives a beep what anybody says? And I just, like, he was, okay, I'm going to do a little bit of acting here. Um, this is me. This is, this is Bryson, fresh from stage, okay? Oh, hi, nice to meet you. Oh, sit down. Sit down. 
So I'm sitting down. All right, do I have permission to talk to this guy? Do I have permission to talk? Okay, I can talk to him. Bro, what's wrong with your hair? Why is your hair like that? Bro, and your glasses? Your glasses are so big. They're so big. I can't see your eyes. And the eyes? The eyes are the, the key to the soul, man. The eyes, if I can't see your eyes, let me see your eyes. You have beautiful eyes. Why don't you? I know why. Those glasses, they're gimmick. I know. I know. Those are gimmicks. That's his gimmicks, okay? All right. And why Why are you wearing black on stage? Why do you wear black? Why? why? And he's just picking me apart. And, you know, for me, I had already, you know, I was on the streets. I did everything. And then up to this moment, it was like, whoa, reality check. Even people that are in the industry are going to try to bring you down. And I was, while I was sitting in the chair, I was just thinking like, holy crap, am I really meant to be here? Am I really meant to be in this industry with people like this? If I'm going to work with somebody like this, am I really wanting to put up with this? Am I, or am I just want to like leave and go back on the streets? And I was just, I just sat there and then I just was like badgered by this guy who had this friggin' like big head. Like he was just talking and talking. And then I thought, oh, this guy's an idiot. Okay, so I'm just, I, I just smiled at him and I was like, oh my God, I finally made it. This is, this is making it. Getting yelled at by somebody that is super famous and super like he has the, you know, and I just sat there and I took it and I smiled and I was like, thank you. Thank you. And from that moment on, like, for those, that 10 minutes, I was getting badgered and I felt like, oh my God, this is the most horrible decision ever. I thought, I made it then. If I could get yelled at by this guy and not feel like dying or quitting and rolling up in a ball, I have tough enough skin to make it in this industry. And then I just smiled. I thanked him. And I walked away with my manager. That I, my manager at the time, like well, I just met my manager, and then I was like, "Yeah, I don't know who that guy is. Okay, whatever." And apparently, he's like this big thing, like this big guy building celebrities. And I was just like, "Whatever, don't care. I'm just gonna play violin and play it from the heart." Boom! Right. I there. love it. I love it. I love it. Seriously, uh, there's this quote. Uh, you may have heard it or not, but it's by Maya Angelou, and I'm probably going to get it wrong a little bit, but it basically says, in order to be successful, don't make money your goal. Instead, pursue the thing that you love doing mm. and do it so well, people can't take their eyes off you. Wow. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but the beauty in that, you know, to kind of bring this conversation full circle, the beauty in that is I think at the beginning of our, our careers, you know, mine is coaching, consulting, and speaking, and writing a book. You know, yours is you're a musician, you're an artist, you know, and however else you, you create art. Um, when we begin, we're just trying to prove ourselves, right? We're just trying to get in the game. Right. And then and then the next step, up, the next layer up is now that we're in the game, we need to be able to stay in the game <laughs> because it's a hard game to play. Yeah. And then the next level up from there is now I'm in the game. 
I'm staying in the game. I'm able to stay emotionally, mentally, financially, and however else, right? Um, here, 20, you know, 100% every single day the rest of the year until I'm done playing this game. And kind of what I heard you say was you at the beginning were trying to prove yourself, and then you reached the level of I'm in the game, and, right. but I'm not quite sure how long I'm going to be in the game. I'm going to stick to it as long as I can. But now you're like, dude. I'm really in it. I'm really in yeah. it for the long haul. And if this guy is trying to break me down, thank you, because that basically was a compliment. I wish Phil was on this call because Phil told me something two years ago that I'm going to tell you right now, which you already know based on the story you told me. But mm -hmm. Phil said to me, Bernie, when somebody resists you and they tell you that you need to change who you are, you need to change how you do it, and you need to change what you do in order to conform to them and what yeah. they want from you, then all you need to know is that you've arrived. You're becoming closer and closer and closer to your authentic self, and it's making them feel more and more and more disconnected from you because they're conforming over here, mm -hmm. and you're standing out. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, Dang. so seriously, yeah. So when you told me that story, I'm seeing Phil going, Bernie, shut the fuck up. Go be who you are. Yeah. Who cares what they say? You've arrived. You're good enough. Yeah. So what do you think about that? That's like, what? Is this fate? Are we all coming together to trade like secrets or something? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I love this conversation. I don't get to talk to people in Philippines like this or anybody in general, actually. So I really, I really enjoyed this. Thank you, Bernie. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm so happy that you were here to talk to me, and I had a feeling it was going to be this enlightening. And, you know, some people in the audience, we might have lost them, but some people I can tell you right now, um, they're going to get it. I don't care if you're a musician. Uh, one of our other guests we're going to have is a comedian. He's my buddy from L.A. He's very, very well known. You probably have heard of him before, too but I won't say his name yet. I don't want to spoil it. But, you know, okay. we've, got, we've got different people of different professions. And even though my background is in business, uh, it doesn't matter. We're all human. We all are afraid. We all have fear, right? We yes. all have inner, inner judgments, inner criticism. We all have people who tear us down. We all deal with this whole, am I good enough? We all deal with this whole, am I going to be able to pay that bill next week? Right. Yeah. We all deal with that. I don't care what job you do. Mm -hmm. And so I have learned so much from you today. You are an amazing guy. Seriously. I, I am even more blown away than I already thought I was going to be. And you're only 22 years old. I want to remind everybody that you're only 22 years old. <laughs> no. And you are well on your way to do some big, amazing things. So thank you so much for the conversation. I'm just going to, you know, have one more thing for you to do before we let you go here. Um, but if, if people, first of all, what exciting thing is coming up next? And then after that, can you close by telling us where people can find you if they want to hear more about your music or purchase your uh, awesome albums that I recently downloaded? Well, currently, I'm not performing on the streets anymore because I got picked up by this major resorts. It's, a, it's called Resorts World, and I think they're building one in Vegas at the moment. So Resorts World, they have one in Manila one in Singapore, and then they're building one in Vegas. I'm at the one in Manila. And what I've been doing so far with my career is basically uh, I'm being hired to perform in different countries and different places, so for private events. And uh, so there's not that much street performing uh, going on yet because I've, I'm in talks with street performing. So we'll see where that goes. And 
So you'll find me at Resorts World Manila. Um, I'm doing this this variety show. It's basically um, acrobats, dancers. Oh my God, they make me dance. Ah! And then um, yeah, just acrobats, dancers, gymnasts. Like it's the whole like thing. There's even like a bicycle guy that does some crazy. Ah. If if you're in Manila area, you'll totally see me. I'm I'm gonna be there for a while actually. Yeah. So that's okay. Awesome. And obviously for people to look at your videos, uh, how I found you is I just Googled you, but people can go onto your YouTube channel as well. Can you tell people what your YouTube channel is called? Oh, Bryce and Andres. Boom. <laughs> YouTube. That's easy. Yeah. That's easy enough. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Bryson. It was so awesome talking to you today, my dear. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Shut Up Show. And remember, if you don't want to miss a single episode, simply go to our website at theshutupshow.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Until next time, folks, shut up and make shit happen.